Welcome back, everyone, to the Riskers podcast. I'm your host, Caleb Brakey, and today's episode is going to be awesome. Why do I say that? Well, it's because we talk a lot about slowing down. There are times when we must risk, when we must step out, make a change, do something that just doesn't make sense. But before all of this really happens, there are these moments. Moments of clarity, of seeking God, or God seeking you. That can't happen unless you stop. Unless you get off of the hamster wheel. This can be the hamster wheel of work, daily life, really of any season of life that you're in. We go and go and go, and we get used to it. And we never provide the margin to really ask, what's going on? Where am I going right now? How is God speaking to me? Have I even allowed him to do any speaking? Welcome back to the Riskers podcast. Today, we welcome Matt Treseder, CEO of Leader. Matt's story reminds us that choosing obedience over opportunity leads to walking that path that God has crafted just for you. Because you see, you can only choose obedience when you know where you're being called to go. And you can only know where you're being called to go when you slow down and you stop and you listen. And if you've gotten off the hamster wheel long enough to listen to this podcast, well, then maybe this episode will hit you deeply where you're at and be just the spark you need. Enjoy this interview with Matt Treseder. So the big question is this. How do Jesus-loving entrepreneurs, pastors, and driven men and women of faith like us who are taking risks to pursue their kingdom calling, how do we get our mission, the problem we're working to solve, the pain we're striving to heal, how do we fully realize it here on earth? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Caleb Brakey, and welcome to the Riskers Podcast. Matt, welcome to the Riskers podcast, brother. I'm so excited for this conversation. Just being able to talk with you a little bit and see some similarities that we've uh, been able to enjoy uh, our paths kind of parallel. And I got to start with this because when I was going over your application and some things that you put there, one was that you broke your arms oh, no. or your rotator cuff on the morning, everybody, on the morning <laughs> of his wedding. Like I've heard some good stories, but this is, this is taking the cake. I mean, you're about to start your marital bliss. How in the world did this happen? And how did the wedding even carry on at that point? What a way to start. Caleb, great to be here. I'm super excited. Okay. So this is a good story for some people. And I'm sure you can imagine there are other people that don't find this story incredibly funny. Um, so perhaps my, my wife won't listen to this. We'll see. So uh, I, I grew up, I guess, longboarding and skating. It was one of the ways that I was enjoyed relaxing and one of the ways that I enjoyed just switching off. And I just had nerves the morning of the wedding, like most people probably. And I thought, you know what? I've got a great idea. 
me and my groomsmen are going to grab our skateboards and we're just going to go break into a golf club and just go skating around just to calm the nerves a little bit. Um, the, the, the kicker is that it was a boosted board, which is one of those electric ones. So they go about 25 to 30 miles an hour. So anyway, uh, hit a puddle, fell off, hit over heels, blacked out, woke up moaning on the ground with my buddies looking over me. And one of them was videotaping the whole thing. He has the whole thing on oh. camera, which is fantastic. Uh, which has now been turned into a GIF, which often gets posted in Slack, which of course I appreciate. Um, but do you know what the best part was? So I was just sore. I got up and I was like, ow, that didn't feel so good. Uh, went through the whole ceremony, had a couple of painkillers, but nothing crazy. Went through the whole ceremony, went to our honeymoon in Mexico, came back from the honeymoon, went to the doctor and he's like, yeah, you have two broken arms. You have a torn rotator cuff. Uh, you've got wrist issues and I'd carried wow. that all for about 10 days. So that's the story. Wow. <laughs> Did you actually, was it actually going through your mind? Like something is completely wrong here. Well, there's a really funny moment on video uh, at the ceremony when we're standing at the altar and my wife Kaisa grabs my hands and she's shaking them like this. And I'm like, got this deep sense of pain and I'm like, please don't do that. And she's like, what's going wrong? I'm like, it's okay. Just don't worry about it. She didn't know the whole time until the ceremony was over. So yeah, it was a day. <laughs> that, that, you know what? That's probably, you probably did the right thing there. You just, you kept your cool and then, yep. oh man, that is. I something. just wanted it to be a memorable day, you know? Okay. And, and I can't steal this thunder because this is incredible, but I have to bring this up because we've just found so many similarities here. So my wife and I, during our honeymoon, we were arrested on our honeymoon because they thought I was robbing a bank. And so there you go. We both have our honeymoon All right. stories. Perfect. It's just, things are aligning here. I love it. You're listening right now. There's obviously got to be some good, amazing stuff coming out of this podcast. This was meant 100%. to be. percent. We're going to be talking about tension and leadership and execution. Um, Matt, you know, you get to serve as CEO of Leader, and that's L-E-A-D-R.com, Leader. But it didn't start there for you. You were in ministry. You were serving as a pastor, I believe, in New Zealand, correct? I was a youth leader, yeah, in New Zealand. Uh, which, so I'm not a Texan. You can probably tell from my accent. So uh, <laughs> I like to say I come from a place a little south of Dallas. So yeah, grew up in New Zealand, and uh, I was in youth leadership for about eight years. Wow. That's amazing. It's a youth leadership for eight years. And this is where a lot of our risker stories start. Like you're, you're going along a path. And I mean, if you put those two things next to each other, youth leader, CEO, you're like, okay, Matt, what in the world happened here? And now we're going to be talking about, uh, you know, the tension and, and, and leadership mm -hmm. and execution today. So why don't you walk us through some of those things that you've learned from the moment Either you, your wife, or God just said, hey, you know what, Matt, you've got a new path now. Where did that really start for you while you were serving as a youth leader? Great question. And you know what's funny? I thought the same thing. I, I didn't see the parallel between youth ministry and then growing and leading teams. But it was about four years into when I was growing a sales team in my last company when I realized this is basically a glorified youth group. I mean, this is what it, it's, it's about discipleship. It's about coaching. It's about rah-rah. It's about culture and I was and I was just shocked at there's actually a lot of similarities between these two worlds. I like to think that they were completely separate, but actually they're they're very wow. similar in a lot of respects. Building energy, hiring the right people, you know, a lot of that. Um so for me, 
that the jump happened uh, when it came down to mission. That's really what it was. I was I was loving serving at church. I was loving being a youth leader. And actually, that was the hardest thing about leaving New Zealand. It wasn't all of the other sort of ties I had in the community. It was, um, I, I would have labeled myself as a discipler if you wanted to use that term. Uh, I just had a really close relationship with my youth and it was really tough to leave. It just felt like a Band-Aid ripped off a scab. It wasn't a good feeling. Mm-hmm. And so the reason for me to make the jump was this idea of mission. Uh, a buddy of mine was starting a company he shared the mission with me and I said, I got to do whatever I can do to get on board with that. Amazing. It, um, and this kind of, it, it, this prompts the question here I am, I'm approaching this and I'm thinking, oh, youth ministry is way different than being a CEO, but how cool that God was really shaping you for this role you were going to be moving into. I mean, you're, you're saying words like culture, <laughs> relationship, the right people. Uh, one of the things, one of um, uh, the folks on our team, Eric Young says, right people, right work. Like you were focused in learning and growing in all these areas that transferred to instead of, you know, the youth ministry, you know, whether you're, you know, uh, you know, acting out Bible stuff or playing video games together all the way up to, you know, you picture a CEO uh, leading an entire company. You think, oh, those are really separate, but they're not, which is really cool because I think a lot of the times God has this way of weaving our story, preparing us things we never thought about. And this would be a perfect time for the listener to pause and go, what if, like, what if everything to this point is preparing me for something, whether you see a connection or not, because I mean, now looking over your shoulder, how thankful are you for that? Uh, you can't even begin to put into words. Extremely grateful. I mean, here's, here's the best similarity that I can come up with. My youth pastor used to say when he was talking to the youth team, uh, get them to belong before they believe. Mm. Create an environment where people just want to come home. And then fast forward the clock 10 years, I'm reading Good to Great from Jim Collins. And he says, get the right people on the bus, <laughs> right? He talks about culture and character over competency. We're talking youth ministry and we're talking growing businesses and the the path to discipleship, the path to coaching and development. Uh, for me, at least, it felt like I was just doing one context one environment to another, when the, within the four walls of a church, the four walls of a business, same, same, but different. Wow. Absolutely incredible. Man, I love that like culture over competency, like get the right people on the bus. That is, I mean, that's, that's been everything for my own company. Uh, I, I could use this whole episode and people are just be like, who are you even talking about? Like my team, I could brag about the people who have come mm-hmm. on board who, you know, I never looked at a resume. I, I never really cared about that. I cared about the work. I cared about the craftsmanship, but there was just this spark. There was just this connection of like, wow, you're the right people. You, you're on board with this. And even if you don't know something, you're going to become excellent in it because it's it's all there in your character. And uh, what an amazing way to build a team. And that's just awesome to see happen. Now, now let's, let's fast forward here. Now you're working at PushPay. And this is a real big growing company, but you also had some growing pains there, which again, prepared you for something in the future, which was leader. So walk us through that. And, and, and what'd you learn through that experience? It's, it's funny because again, it feels 
Uh, there's a great Steve Jobs quote, you can't connect the dots looking forward, you can only connect them looking backwards. Mm. And uh, that's very much what that whole journey felt like. So you mentioned, you know, joining Pushpay, this fast, amazing, growing team. So I joined when there was five of us working above a gym uh, in West Auckland, New Zealand. Uh, (laughs) It was not, it was not glamorous. (laughs) It was not uh, this, this fancy, hyper growth, crazy, you know, blowing up company. That's not what was happening. There was five of us in a room. And because of the time zone difference, we started at 5 a.m. Who knows? People don't have the best attitudes at 5 a.m. in the morning. Uh, And so that was the world. And so I would definitely summarize that experience for me personally. And then for us as a a leadership team is growing pains. That would be the best way to describe it. Joining as employee number five, leaving about six years later as employee number four to 500. Um, sounds great on paper. It really does. Oh my gosh, you went through 500 employees and 10,000 customers over a six year period. I want to do that. <laughs> yeah, but it's painful. <laughs> it's terrifying. I mean, the cultural challenges, the retention problems, hiring the right people, keeping the right people, um, the leadership gap. Uh, we need to grow and start a new team. Who's going to do that? This person's never led before, but they're good in this current role. I mean, there's so many moving pieces and growing pains sums it up about perfectly. I have good memories, but they're they're heavy memories. (laughs) Now, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I kind of view it as when you started, I bet you were brought on mostly for your execution. And as you grew with the company and, and eventually worked your way into CEO of leader, it became about leadership. So where did that transition really happen through all this growth, through all this pain, whereas, I mean, I know that the executing mindset, like, hey guys, like we got to go right now. Like we got this much in the bank account. If we don't get this thing going, we're out of time. And so it's execution mode, but, but now you're, you're leading others and and that takes its own um, hardship. But where did that really start to happen? Like, and where, where did it happen when you were done with, with push bay and said, you know what, it's, it's time for me to, to move on. Well, uh, I would I would summarize that period of my life or that period of my career as an operator. That's how I describe myself. That's my that's what I'm good at. That's what I enjoyed. I like being down in the details. I like the execution. So it's funny we mentioned growing pains because it very much feels like the, the the last few years of my career, which is moving out of operation, moving out of the execution, moving out of the dials and the tactical decisions every single day to vision, strategy. Where are we going? Why are we going there? Um, that, that was for sure a challenge. And then to your point, stepping away from push pay, I was stuck in this whirlwind for six years. Stuck is a dramatic word, but you hear what I'm saying. I I was in this whirlwind for six years and then it ended. So one day I'm not getting any more slacks, no more emails, no calendar invites, no back-to-back meetings. No one's calling me or texting me. All my notifications, I thought they were broken on my phone. It was an identity crisis for sure. There was the feelings of, um, why does no one want to talk to me anymore? Right? Like, <laughs> why I thought I thought I was uh, valuable. I thought I I, I added mm. worth to, to to conversations. How come I don't have back to back meetings stacked up all day? How come my phone's not blowing up anymore? And it's just when your life stops because I took about six months off because mm. I needed it. Um, it was a, a it was a who am I sort of moment of mm. without all of that. Uh, how can I handle the transition from here on out? So interesting. Wow. Wow. Very interesting. Now, 
it's easy to say like you needed a break, but I mean, I've been in positions and I've shared in, in various podcasts, uh, you know, I reached a point in my life and I describe it like this. I could choose writing, which was my passion, business, which was also my passion and my living or my marriage, which was everything to me. And I could mm-hmm. do two of those things. And I had to make a really tough choice at that point. And of course, it's going to be marriage, it's going to be business and living. I kind of put my passion for, for writing aside at the time. But that was a breaking point for me. Like I needed to rest I need, or I needed to um, create more margin in my life. So how did that happen for you? Were you, I, I take it you were married at the time, uh, you mm-hmm. know, were kids involved? Was it just time to like, hey, I just have no capacity or you, you, maybe you're angry all the time. There's no joy there. What did that look like for you? All of the above. (laughs) (laughs) Before we go further, I want to take a quick break and tell you about the publishing expertise offered by Speak It to Book and Sermon to Book, where we help men and women of faith become powerfully positioned to impact lives by collaboratively writing their book and building their ministry platform. If you've longed to write your book and impact a broader audience, our team is here to help, even if you don't have the time or energy to write. We've helped riskers like you secure traditional book deals, hit numerous bestseller lists, keynote to 100,000 people in two years, and get featured on Entrepreneur on Fire, Forbes, and Inc. Schedule a free strategy call at calebrakey.com. As I look back on where I was towards the end of my time there, um, I became a shell of a person in a sense. It was very much focused on, you mentioned the word execution. It was all that. It was all about right now, in this moment, the next number, this record is a record to be broken. So I was stuck in that cycle. And so when that cycle ends and that's the, the, the music stops, as it were, um, I had to realize, okay, what's really more important in life? So you had to pick two out of three things. I would say I went through something very similar because I think we often do ourselves a disservice by transitioning from one thing on a Friday and turning up on a Monday. That's pretty common, wouldn't you say? I mean, a lot of people, they finish up something on Friday and then they turn up on Monday. The challenge with that is we bring all of our baggage in from the Friday into the Monday Mm. and we start to overlay our previous experience into the new experience, which sometimes is helpful, other times can be damaging. And I knew that there was some poison in the wound that I needed to take time to step away and figure out what just happened. Mm. And so I need to learn, okay, who was I when I joined that experience? Who did I become? And then what are the things that I wanted to leave on the table as opposed to um, not bring with me anymore? And there was some moments of having to recognize and realize I need to reconcile some things. And so I, I did a few things. I looked at all of the people that I'd let go or had quit in my time of working with me. And I sat down and had coffees and I made phone calls and apologized where I needed to. And I tried to build bridges where I needed to as well. Um, it was a healing time. Wow. That's, that's amazing uh, to, to make amends or um, our relationships are everything. Mm-hmm. So you get off the hamster wheel, you're thinking through this, you're making amends, you're reconnecting with people, you're, you're, you're remembering who you are, or how you want to be moving forward. Where does leader come into this? Yeah. And, and I should mention, you make it sound like a beautiful love story. It was also <laughs> wrought with deep insecurities. <laughs> um, 
you know, the scene in Zoolander when he's asking, who am I? It's, it's a lot of those questions. <laughs> that is fantastic. Did you become a coal miner by any chance? <laughs> I did. I got the black lung, the whole thing. <laughs> um, but you know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm, I'm trying not to glorify it too much. I needed the time. I truly did. And for those that uh, end the journey and are transitioning to something new, if you can afford to do it both time and financially, I would, I would strongly encourage anyone to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's some of the best advice that I ever received is taking time away and enjoying that time away and not thinking about the next thing in your head already moving into the next season mm-hmm. that also does ourselves a disservice. So anyway, I think it's worth mentioning that. So, uh, I'm, I'm three months out of my time at push pay and, uh, I'm trying to wrestling through what do I want to do next? And the easy option or the, the first thing that came to mind for me was startup. I'm addicted to the chaos, the craziness, the growth things on fire and breaking every day. I don't know if I could do anything else. Everything seems maybe (laughs) too slow in comparison, right? Uh, And so I get a call from an old mentor of mine. He says, what are you going to do next? Which isn't that such a funny question when you get asked that through high school and college and it's the most uh, scary question ever. Right. Uh, I'm going to be an astronaut. I mean, I don't know, (laughs) but I get asked this question. What are you going to do next? Uh, and the only answer I could come up with was something related to leadership. Mm. That was, that was, it was running through my head as I'm passionate about leadership. I'm passionate about discipleship. It's going to be something to do with that. Mm. Uh, and that's where the thought began to unravel. And it, it's so funny because I still remember that phone call and I had no idea that six months later we'd be birthing a company called leader. Wow. Amazing. And I think this is a good time again, to think about you listener when you have the opportunity to jump off that um, that rat race, that rat wheel, if you will, amazing things can happen. I, I think of how, like you talk about, you have this gift of execution. And I think you know better than a lot of people, like there is no end of execution. There will always be something new, a new project, a new initiative. Hey, we got to go. We got to go. A, a problem, a fire, executing, executing, executing. And I think that that shows up in our life, like no matter what, anywhere, it could be whether at your job or within how your family operates, but you just get on this robotic mode where it's like, this needs mm-hmm. to be done. I'm going to do it. And at the end of the day, great, let's have dinner, wake up, you know, start it all over again. We don't leave margin to, to reflect, to pray, to rest. You know, Jesus rested a lot. He got, he went away to pray and it's just pretty easy to let those things slide and in a sense, um, you don't you don't see what's going on inside you, and you leave no channel for the mm-hmm. spirit to talk with you, to direct you. And so, bring us up to leader now. Six months later, some things happened there. What was that? And and I'll mention one thing on that because I I'm so passionate about this topic of transitioning well and resting well. Um, but when I first joined Pushpay for the first time, my pastor at the time said to me startups are a leech. It will attach itself to you and it will continue to suck you dry until you've got nothing left. And then it will just move on to the next person and it won't care. So you, you are the one that determines how much you give. You're the one that has to determine to burn the leech off your arm. Otherwise it'll keep going and keep going. And that for sure was my cycle, that vortex of, uh, I'm not going to stop this happening because I'm kind of addicted to it anyway. I enjoy the rat race. And so it wasn't until I actually had to force myself to burn the leech off that I realized maybe uh, how much I'd changed in the process. Anyway, so starting leader, 
so we had this concept of there's this leadership gap that so many organizations are faced with, which is as we continue to grow and we're looking for people to take on more responsibility, who do we promote? Who do we elevate into these positions? And then once they're there, I think often we resort to sink or swim, which sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. And uh, the the lack of equipping of up and coming leaders, I think, causes so many organizations to slow down. Mm. People aren't being treated the way that they should be treated. Leadership isn't reflecting the culture that the executive team, the leadership team wants us to embody because they weren't supported, coached, trained, developed when they first stepped into those roles. So that was the understanding. And the funniest part about all of it, it was just my story. I mean, a lot of leader was just built for me. If I could go back and do that journey again, what are the things that I'd wish I'd done more effectively, more consistently, uh, so that my team would have had the best version of Matt and not the worst version of me. Mm. Wow, that's huge. And so you're 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 creating this this software curriculum, the the whole project, and you're doing it for your your old self. I love that. I I <laughs> I teach a lot about that. Like, hey, if you want to just like find out something to do, like just start acting like you're teaching you ten years ago. Because you'll be amazed at like all of a sudden, you know exactly what you wish you would have known. And like, no one will actually pay you for that too, because (laughs) there's so many people in that same position. So you start this tech company in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. Uh, Tell us about the, how you started. Was it just you? There was a couple people. How fast did you grow? How hard did COVID hit you? What did you learn in that process? Well, uh, our launch date was April 1st, 2020. So through 2019 and through the Q1 of 2020, we're like, we're going to launch on April 1st and it's going to be great. And March rolls around. I get the keys to my office on March 15th and then everything stops. And by the way, that office sat empty for about a year. No one was obviously using it. So April 1st rolls around. We decide probably not the right time to be reaching out to people and saying, this is something that you need. So we gave it about six weeks, which we thought was plenty of time. And mid-May was when we launched the first version of the product. So for us, uh, and everything's easier in hindsight, in the moment, it was terrifying is probably the right word. It's like we've gone through this 12 to 18 months of really hard work and development to bring something to the market mm-hmm. and then something completely out of outside of our control happens mm-hmm. but for me in hindsight incredible blessing in disguise because if there's anything that covid did i think it highlighted disconnects within community disconnects within friendships disconnects within work relationships certainly disconnects within organizations and so a lot of people began to realize that the things that we used to do to build culture and to build healthy teams was no longer working and so that highlighted gap created a need for leader in the space. And so we've actually been growing extremely fast since COVID hit, which is funny wow. to say, given how tough this has been for a lot of people. Mm. Um, but it's been an incredible year. So we we started with eight people at the beginning of last year, and we have around 40 staff today. Wow. That is absolutely incredible. Why don't you tell me about... Um, the functionality of leader. So you, you, you kind of saying, Hey, I, this is what I would have wanted, you know? So what is leader doing effectively? If you are, uh, if you're sitting in your chair, you go, Oh, 
kill. Let me tell you about it. Like this is the gap it's filling right here. This mm-hmm. is how it's done. This is the uh, the delivery mechanism. All of that. Like why are you growing so fast? What's drawing people to you mm-hmm. right now? I like to say that if you think about leadership on a spectrum, on one end of the scale, you've got the best friend leader or the best friend manager, the person that you really enjoy working with every single day, but maybe not a lot of work gets done. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got the highly task orientated manager or leader. When is this project going to be finished? How come it's not done yet? How can we go faster? (laughs) You're laughing, right? Because those people exist. We won't mention names. Uh, and we also see the same attributes within ourselves. Sometimes I tend to be highly task orientated. Sometimes I tend to be highly relational. And I think the reality is neither of those is good or bad. Neither of those is right or wrong. It's always both. And, and, and all of my relationships with work as any time that we're engaging with folks, I have to engage both the highly relational side of what I do and the highly tactical nature. And so Long story short, Leader wraps all of those within a platform. It it holds me accountable to do the things that I always should be doing, like gathering feedback from my people, uh, ascribing them goals, having a a weekly or a biweekly one-on-one, making sure that we're taking the time to sit down and ask people how they're really doing uh, and documenting all of those things so that we're consistent with it. So rounding out the edges, making sure I'm doing the most important things on top of all of the work that we have to do every day. Hmm. What have been some of your favorite stories that have come out of the results leader is creating? You know, when you finally get to your ideal customer and they're saying, wow, like you wouldn't believe how this has changed me. What is your favorite story that has come up after all this hard work and prep and then COVID hitting and all the freaking out, but now you finally get to say like, oh, look at it, it's worth it. Like someone has like really benefited from this. It's changed in their life. I think it's the moments when people say, I didn't realize I needed this until I had it. It, it, I didn't realize that we had so many gaps and how inconsistent we were being until we brought this in. Or another thing we hear often is I knew how how healthy the teams that were really close to me proximity wise but especially in larger teams as you think about the layers and maybe different campuses even within a church you might have your centralized teams and maybe that feels really tight-knit but as you think about different campuses or remote teams we don't know we don't know what's happening and it isn't until you bring in a tool that forces people to meet regularly that maybe some of the dysfunction starts to surface which is those are when the squirrely things happen. That's when it's real fun because now we have to actually deal with the root causes of issues. So it's those moments when people say, uh, this is the thing I always wish I had, or I've been trying to do this in six or seven places and now I'm able to do it in one. It's not the any huge light bulb moments necessarily. It's just the, the realization that, oh yeah, I probably should have been doing some of these things. <laughs> it just reminds me of me, right? <laughs> totally. You know, Why is it so hard? to revisit something that is working, but isn't working efficiently. Why is it so hard? We we talk uh, in our team at the moment about that very topic, that there's a trade-off when you're seeking efficiency, there's a trade-off of effectiveness and we should never trade effectiveness for efficiency. I think we get, and you mentioned the word rat race. And I think we're all trying wherever possible. How can I be more efficient? How can I get the most out of the least amount of time? But sometimes that's not the most effective thing. Mm-hmm. And so we trade uh, relational equity, if we want to use that word, we trade relational equity for outcomes. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't make enough deposits in people before we start making withdrawals. 
You mentioned like emergency times in a startup environment or even a church environment. We're coming up to a big deadline. At the end of the day, sometimes we can feel like, frankly, I don't care where you're at. We need to get to the goal. So no matter what this costs us, winning at all costs, no matter what it takes, we're going to get there. And the people that suffer is our team. And then we justify it with, but the mission, but the cause, but the why. And then you look back and you're like, well, that was a short-term decision that had a really long-lasting effect. I wish I could have gone back and maybe tempered the two of those things at the same time. Mm, Wow. That's good. I mean, I like how you said that there's, it's not inherently bad to be executing. It's not inherently bad to focus on leadership, relational um, aspects of your company, and both are highly needed. I wanted to, you wrote a great list here of um, just some tips that would help others, our listeners right now, take their step. Mm-hmm. You've had many steps from youth leader to working at push bay to stepping back. And I think these are just great encouragements. What I want to do is I want to read this off and I wish we had the time to go through each and every one in depth, but I want you to hear it also to yourself and then just like respond, just whatever hits you. So here we go. Here's some tips for you, listener, as you look to pursue that risk, or if you've stepped back and are are getting ready for that next move in your life that God's calling you to. So one, don't wait for the perfect idea. I love that. Two, just start. You you think that covers procrastination right there. Like just start because things, your your failure is going to lead to your next opportunity. Three, don't make life decisions when you're at a low point. My goodness, brother, this one is huge. There's those times when I'm tired and my wife knows this about me. Like, Caleb, go take a nap. <laughs> Do not make any decisions right now because yep. to you, it's either the high life or it's the end of the world, right? Take a nap. It really does work. Seek counsel often. I love that. Mentorship. Uh, most things can wait 24 hours. Who? That's a good one. You can get caught in this rat race of all of a sudden you are addicted to your phone and guess what? Mm-hmm. Bye-bye family, bye-bye friendships, bye-bye everything. Cause you're not fully there and you get that eyes glaze syndrome and people will notice. They notice in your body language and how you treat them. Number six, don't feel like a role in church or as a missionary is a higher calling. That's right. It's a great calling, but God, you know, I just, uh, I just read all about the parts of the body. You got your arms, your fingers, your toes, your your heart. And it talks about how the, the lowly, the small parts of the body are usually the most important and they're kind of unnoticeable. And so what part of the body did God mean for you to play? If that's a pastor or a missionary, wonderful. But if it says a CEO of a company, amazing. Like God's building his kingdom there. I love that. And, and you listener, like, what is your role? Accept it. Don't be ashamed of it. Like God made you for it. And anything with guilt, fear, and shame, toss it out the window, toss it out the window. Number seven, find someone you respect and admire and ask them to mentor you. Amazing. Like seek wisdom. That's everything. And there's someone out there doing right now what you are supposed to step into. Go find that person. Number eight, follow people that are the best in your field. There you go. Number nine, be curious and ask lots of questions. I love that. A friend of mine said, Caleb, learn this. A-L-A-L-R. Ask, listen, ask, listen, ask, listen. And remember, number 10, I like this, Uh, Matt, you rocked these. Number 10, shut up, but also speak your mind. (laughs) I love that. It's like (laughs) leadership and the tension in the middle. It's like, hey, shut up, but wait a minute, no, speak. Uh, It's so funny. And it just goes to show you that 
so much of life and business and, and our life, even uh, as followers of Christ, it's lived in the gray. It's not this black and white. It's, it's this tension. It's this struggle. And that's where the good stuff is. So Matt, these were excellent. And how about you just take a second to, to speak to the, the uh, listeners about um, this list of years that you came up with? Well, um, a lot of those things sound great on paper, but come through a, a lot of pain and frustration along the way, right? But the one that hit me the most as you were sharing it again was, and I don't know if there are any listeners out there that are still struggling to find purpose or, strike, or find their calling. Um, but one of my greatest, my favorite quotes is, chase obedience, don't chase opportunity. Chase obedience, don't chase opportunity. So if you're living out a kingdom calling within a marketplace context, don't feel guilt or shame, as Caleb said. It is so easy for me to compare myself to folks that are in full-time ministry and not realizing that I'm already in full-time ministry. And the thing that I grappled a lot with was all of the people that I looked to in life were pastors. The people that I wanted to emulate, the way that they acted, the way they talked, the way they carried themselves, I wanted to be like them. And I was, I guess I was living under this covering of guilt and shame of thinking I had to also have the same role as them. But what I realized is I want to be like a pastor in the workplace. Mm. And it's not, again, it's not that is better or greater or higher than the other. They're both equally uh, meaningful as long as that's what God has called us to do. So chasing the obedience was something that I had to grapple with for a long time because I had a lot of insecurities around maybe I should just stop doing this thing and go and chase what all of my friends and all of the people that I look up to are doing. So that's the one thing that hits me the most. And then wow. shut up and speak your mind, such conflicting advice. I don't know how that even makes sense, but to <laughs> me, it's, it's just a sermon, right? <laughs> Knowing right now, probably a moment for me to bite my tongue and sit on my hands. Uh, but maybe in this moment, it's also time for me to share the opinions that I have because maybe they're going to add value. Man, I love that. When I read that, it was so funny because you see, you see, they <laughs> they could they conflict. But I just, I got it the second I read. I was like, oh man, right. boy, that hits home. Um, <laughs> you know, to the listener, I just, yeah, I want to say again, if you can get past the insecurity, the shame, the guilt, the fear. And just become that person who, who Jesus says you are of power and love and self-control and perfect love casts out fear. Boy, if you get to that place, truly it brings a new life, a new vibrancy to like, mm. you can be the janitor, you can be the CEO, you can be a pastor, you can be anything. And I tell you what, you're going to be light. The world will see you because that fear and those insecurities mm. and everything holding you back and weighing you down today is gone. And that is where Jesus shines brightest. That is where the salt truly is spread. You don't have to achieve all these things in life. I, I love what you said about obedience over opportunity. What is God calling you to? Your kingdom calling would be obedience to that. Run toward it. Chase after obedience, not the opportunity. I love that. That was fantastic. And who knows? Now I might have to change the title of this episode. We never know, but that was so good. Matt. Um, Matt, where can people learn more about you, about leader? And again, that's L E A D R.com and get started and just like learn more about you and learn more about leader. Yeah. You can find us at leader.com L E A D R.com. 
you can find me on LinkedIn, Matt Tresider, T-R-E-S-I-D-D-E-R. And I'd love to connect with you. I'd love to find the opportunity to meet and say hi and, and share stories. I mean, the moment Caleb and I met each other, it's like, okay, found a brother, been through very <laughs> similar things, uh, speaking very similar language. And often in this context, it can feel very isolating and lonely. So I think anytime we have these conversations, it's always very invigorating. Amen, man. Just life-giving. Thank you for listening to the Riskers podcast. Please subscribe. You know the drill. Apple, Spotify, your favorite podcast platform. And if you've enjoyed today's episode with Matt, please leave that five-star review. Continue spreading the podcast. More people will hear about it, learn about it, and hopefully be transformed by the stories that are being told. And finally, if God's calling you to risk, to heal a pain or solve a problem in this world, I just encourage you, get started. You know, Matt is is helping leaders grow. He's developing leaders. You know, God's called me to, to help you write your book, build your platform, get the message inside of you out. What is it for you? Matt, thank you so much for being a guest on the Riskers podcast, brother. This has been awesome. It's been fun. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Riskers podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Speak It to Book and Sermon to Book, where we're on a mission to teach kingdom-minded men and women how to write, publish, and market best-selling books and build world-class platforms. To learn more, go to www.calebrakey.com.